I don't want to be really negative here, but I feel really shit, Rose. Hello and welcome to The Wellness Breakdown with me, Eve Kalunik. And me, Rose Ferguson. This is the podcast where we test out the latest health and wellness fads and see if they actually work. From hyperbaric chambers to medicinal mushrooms, CBD to the carnival diet, we've tested out quite a lot of trends for you. And now we're into our fourth season. Yeah, in this series, we'll uncover the practice of grounding and explore the ancient technique of acupuncture. We see what the effect ultra-processed foods have on us and find out if liver flushing actually works. I always listen to a podcast on recommendations, so please, if you're enjoying this, please tell your friends and family. Yeah, you can also email us with any suggestions on what you'd like us to try out at info at thewellnessbreakdown.co.uk or just message us on our Instagram page at thewellnessbreakdown or on our own pages. We are now video podcasting, so click on the link to our YouTube channel in the show notes and please subscribe as it really does help us. We're very happy that Ancient and Brave is back as our season sponsor. They have an incredible range of collagen supplements, MCT oil and nootropic blends. As well as nourishing your skin, hair and nails, collagen has been associated with whole body health benefits, which may include supporting joints and muscles to gut health. Eve and I are both fans of supplementing collagen, but not all collagen is created equal. Ancient and Braves is beautifully pure, highly absorbable and clinically researched. Also, very easy to take as part of your everyday ritual, as it's also odourless and tasteless. Perfect added to your morning coffee or daily cacao. Consistency is key when taking supplements and to get you started, Ancient and Brave is offering 20% off your first three orders when you subscribe with the code wellness20. Ancient and Brave are passionate about sustainability. They are a B Corp and a member of the powerful global initiative 1% for the planet. So 1% of all sales goes towards environmental causes that protect the planet. So buying their products means you are also supporting the planet too. Well, we've had some great feedback on last week's podcast, Rose. Thank you guys for all of that. It's really nice to work across both the audio and video platforms. Yeah, I mean, lots of you have been trying water fasting with lots of different experiences. Um, I actually have a message here from David who said he slowly worked up to 48 hours of water fasting and is aiming to head for 72 in a few months. All I would say is just make sure that you're, you know, taking advice and that you're safe to do that sort of it's quite tense. Um, I myself today, so far, I haven't done water, but I am on teas for 24 hours, on herbal teas. Oh, what? You're doing that today? Well, only because I'm on the road all day and I'm stopping here and I'm doing there. And I thought, actually, yeah. seeing as I'm travelling, moving around, I thought it would be a good day to do it. So I will. I can report back to you next week and tell you how that went. Yeah. I mean, I'm not at all. In fact, I can't <laughs> wait to have lunch after this is recorded. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, you're right. You do need to approach these things with caution, particularly if you've got underlying health conditions, you know, like or any sort of hormonal conditions. And certainly if you've got any issues with food, like, I don't know, there are some caveats to doing this water fasting malarkey. Anyway, look, obviously that topic is one that people are really, really interested in. But um, moving on swiftly to this week's challenge, and I must admit, I am feeling really quite nervous about this one 
You said, Rose, and I quote, there's nothing good that can come from it. It's more about just how bad it could get. I wouldn't be thrilled, and you're definitely not going to like this one. Come on, give it to me. Okay. The challenges around ultra-processed foods. And what we want to see, or what I'd like to know, is how shit it can, UPFs can actually make you feel. And is it the worst thing that's ever happened to the food industry? I would say yes. It is. I mean, I really have a bugbear about ultra-processed foods on many levels. But ultra-processed foods, for those of you who don't know, are foods that have undergone a type of food processing which are predominantly used by big food corporations to make mass production. So the challenge for you, Eve this week is to see how it affects everything. So I want you to eat ultra-processed foods for a week. I want you to note down and journal around how it makes your mood, sleep, skin, bowel movements, energy levels, exercise. And so the rules are, for one week, everything that goes in your mouth must be ultra-processed. For example, things that you can include. Burgers, ice creams, ham, sausages, crisps, mass-produced bread, breakfast cereals, biscuits, cakes, carbonated drinks, fruit-flavoured yogurts. I can hear some people, some listeners will be going, woohoo, that sounds fantastic. I'm not sure that you're going to say the same. Okay, I and Rose, both of us, are by no means virtuous. So I'm not suggesting that I sit there with like a perfect, I mean, there is no perfect diet anyway or perfect way of eating, but I don't buy ultra-processed foods I know. at all, really. And I think it's important because I think people do get confused about this. So, you know, a lot of foods have gone through some processing. So like yeah. olive oil or when you can vegetables or you freeze vegetables or when you churn butter. So that is under some level of processing. Basically, things that have undergone no processing, things that, you know, you might pick off a tree from the ground basically but most other things have been processed and even fermented foods actually are technically processed but then obviously there's degrees so obviously say olive oil is going to be very different to say the sausages or crisps or whatever that you just kind of mentioned before so those foods the ultra processed foods are ones that have things like artificial sweeteners emulsifiers preservatives which in some way And again, look, we've got to be realistic here, you know, to feed all the people that are on this planet, it's quite hard to do that without some level of ultra processed foods. But what what has happened is that they've kind of taken over in terms of most people's diet. Like, I don't know what the stat is, but it's something like over 50% of people in, I think this is in the US, their diet is mostly made up of these ultra processed foods. And the thing about some of these chemicals and changing the food matrix in a way that's so alien. So unlike, you know, olive oil, a lot of these chemicals we know have a detrimental effect on things like the microbiome, but also they've been linked to like increased risk of heart disease and even cancer. So it's not, I mean, I'm sitting here laughing about the fact that I've got to do this for a week. But actually, long-term consumption of these foods, and again, it depends on how many, because realistically, most of us living in a modern-day world are going to be eating some processed foods from time to time. I think one of the best ways of understanding ultra-processed foods is if you don't understand what it is, if you look at, you know, the ingredient list and it's full of chemicals that you're you know then your body doesn't understand it and that's part of the problem that's what can cause inflammation and it causes as Eve said a problem with the microbiome and and the thing is that if that's all you're consuming then your body is it treats it almost like a toxin it doesn't understand what you're feeding it I mean someone once said I can't remember who said it but they said ultra processed food shouldn't be classified as food 
So actually, I don't know why I'm saying this because I'm just making it much worse for you. Yeah, you are actually, Rose. I already feel a bit nauseous before we've even started this one. And I don't know what my fridge is going to look like. It's going to be a journey. What does your week look like? Do you have any events coming up and things like that 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 this might affect? I mean, are you going to like a a raw dinner or somewhere where you're going to have have a sausage sandwich? (laughs) I've got a lunch dietary requirements ultra processed food yes sorry can you just give me all of the ultra processed food you've got no so that one might be tricky to navigate and that's the thing i think it's really you know it is impossible to just eat exclusively ultra processed food so i'm going to go towards more of like the 80 percent, i think because just you know on those occasions like you're eating out i mean i probably could add in a few things there like a fizzy drink or something to just yeah. make up the ultra processed food marginings. Okay, well, let me know how you get on. I will. I thought it would be good for people to see the effect on somebody who never, ever really eats ultra processed food. Totally. And I think it would be interesting for people to hear if it has an effect on you after a week. All right, I'm going to give it my best shot and I'll call you when I'm eating a Mars bar, Rose. <laughs> So Rose has set me the challenge of eating ultra processed foods for seven days. I'm not looking forward to this, but I am weirdly fascinated because by virtue of being a nutritional therapist and an advocate of eating whole foods, I don't really tend to go down these sort of aisles as it were in the supermarkets or whatever. So I've just gone and done an online shop scouring the virtual aisles and just having a look at the ingredients that are in some of these products. Like for instance, there were some chicken mints that had a whole load of preservatives, chemicals and like sugar. I mean, what's that about? And then some of the sort of fake meat products, they also had a lot of other added crap in there. So I feel like I'm just going to be eating a whole load of bloody chemicals, to be honest, for a week. So it's day three of my ultra processed foods challenge and I'm already feeling a bit sick of this stuff. Here I am cooking some fake bacon, which just to let you know has got some soy protein concentrate, soy protein isolate, flavouring, pea protein isolate, vegetable extract, salt, potato starch, rapeseed oil, malodextrin. There's quite a few things in there. It's not as, I guess, heavily processed as some things, but still, it's a lot. So, yeah, fake bacon for lunch, and then I've got a plant-based burger for, for dinner, which I've already looked at, and it's already got a lot of other stuff in it too. So, I'm in the supermarket for the ultra processed foods challenge so over here we've got some microwave meals noodle dishes with ingredients that i can't even pronounce to be honest uh here's a quite a big section on meat-free products which i know a lot of people are buying but i have to say like a lot of these are super super loaded with some of these chemicals as well and similarly with things like these yogurts so this one here it's a protein yogurt and it's got modified maize starch in it and aspartame, which is uh, an artificial sweetener. Even going down to the free from aisles, I think this also throws up a lot of questions in the way that people don't necessarily realise that they, these are ultra processed. So I'm on the last day now of my ultra processed foods challenge 
and I am absolutely thrilled that I finished this. I'm on my way to the farmer's market to get some proper food. I don't feel great. Um, I definitely have noticed from a focus, concentration perspective, energy perspective, digestion, mood, uh, even sleep uh, to a degree. So, yeah, I can wholeheartedly say having done this now for a week that I'm definitely much more of an advocate if I wasn't before about having whole foods in the diet but it has been really interesting and I can't wait to unpick it with Rose on the episode so having listened to those diary entries how are you feeling after your week of UPF well look I don't want to be really negative here but I feel really shit Rose honestly like I'd say definitely my mood is much lower because you know you know me I'm generally you know a positive person in the majority and I feel like literally just feeling really quite down and certainly my focus and concentration has been way way off digestion wise I it's definitely my gut has been like what the f is going on yeah and energy wise uh, massive peaks and troughs also constantly hungry even though I'm eating more I think I've put on a bit of weight as well even in a week yeah not great at all I, I'm struggling to say anything positive about well wow. I'm feeling I wasn't really expecting anything positive but it actually sounds a lot more detrimental than I was expecting it sounds like you've it's really affected you in quite a significant way yeah tell me a little bit about your mood because I, I always think energy and mood are quite linked so when I feel low mood, mm. my energy levels feel I just feel sluggish all over yeah and how quickly did you notice it change I would say within days okay I'd say my appetite was massively like skewed but then that's the point of these foods because they're made to be hyper palatable right that's why yeah. it's the Pringles you know once you pop you can't stop so they cleverly combine things together that wouldn't occur in nature so that you can't stop eating like you're not gonna like or very few people are gonna go binging on broccoli or apples and that's because Mm. there's fiber in there and they're nutrient dense so then you're not craving more of the, the food itself yeah even though I was like I said eating more I never felt satisfied I felt that my energy was was definitely peaking or crashing a lot because again a lot of these foods when you change the food matrix it also changes in that processing it changes how we're processing it internally so particularly with you know some of the grain-based products or ones add sugar in like they have a massive spiking effect on your blood sugar levels and as we know that's going to then leave you crashing energy wise did you find that your cravings had gone up because one thing that I know from working in clinic is people are struggling with cravings because their blood sugar balance is so poor because yeah. of what they're eating. And then on top of that, then you put into the, the mix that sugar in particular is a huge dopamine hit and stimulates mm. that reward pathway. And you've got a perfect storm. You know, you've got this blood sugar level out of control. You've got this, you know, reward center asking for more. I certainly think it was a combination of that. I think it was a combination of... Uh, dysregulated blood glucose levels which then impacted on my energy levels which then led to the cravings but then the foods themselves also containing chemicals and additives and combinations of 
like high fat, high sugar, which is going to just like stimulate all of it, that like reward center of the brain, as you said. Yeah. And also because I was eating mostly these foods, my body was craved, like where, where are the nutrients? Because yeah. a lot of them actually also very, I mean, they're devoid in fiber, but also devoid in other nutrients like B vitamins, for instance, that support our energy levels, but also protein as well. So, you know, protein keeps us really satiated. So I think it was a combination of, of all of those things mm. and that then led to like low energy cravings like I could feel almost my, my taste buds changing so when I started the week things tasted really hyper salty hyper sugary because I'm not used to eating those foods and I think by the end of the week it's almost like it had adjusted and I was like oh actually this doesn't really taste that salty anymore so it's scary how like even in a week your taste buds will adjust to these things can I then ask so when you went back to the normal way of eating which I'm assuming you did really quite quickly how did food taste to you then did you find that the cravings lingered past the challenge the answer to that was when I started eating normally it was amazing and I <laughs> you know the, like the texture you kind of really appreciate just vegetables yeah and you know fresh foods and stuff like that because I felt like I needed freshness my mouth felt just like I don't know it just felt wrong so you said you think you put on a couple of pounds I wonder how much of that was your your lymph like and just water retention and my digestion was not in a happy place either because the other thing about these foods is that these chemicals and especially the emulsifiers and the artificial sweeteners you know there are plenty of studies linking these types of chemicals and their detrimental effect to the gut microbiome and what that means is that it essentially you know harbors a less favorable composition there so you get less of the good bugs and more of the not so good bugs in the gut which then can lead to more heightened inflammation but I certainly noticed an impact in my digestion did you notice bloating and then or did you notice the slowing down of the transit time? A uh, bit of both, just inconsistency and yeah. definitely bloating for sure. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why my mood was a bit low because there are a lot of neurotransmitters, things like serotonin, which is the you know, the happy neurotransmitter and most of that's made in our gut. So I wonder if part of the gut imbalances were also feeding back into that loop of low mood as well you know I think it was also the the crashes in the energy and blood sugar levels as well it's amazing the size of impact the the impact that it's had in such a short period of time it's quite it's actually quite terrifying to me yeah I did the five-day plan for years and people would feel completely different after five days so I suppose it shouldn't be surprising to us that if we know that if you eat really well for three days five days it can have a huge effect then if you do the reverse it can also have an effect but not in a good way yeah I was going for it you know I was eating 80% of the time so kind of typical things that I would and I and actually I think this is really also very crucial is that a lot of foods that people think are actually in inverted commas healthy are actually ultra processed because you know um things like for instance a lot of the milk alternatives are actually full of emulsifiers and inflammatory oils and such like so I was using those in with like a processed granola muesli actually a lot of those are actually also highly processed again they on the face of it they look healthy for lunch I'd go and buy just a generic supermarket bread 
and put in some of that horrible, some people are obsessed with it, that like wafer thin ham and then putting in like some kind of mayo that had also, again, like you can buy some mayonnaises in the supermarket that do have, are less processed, you know, and then in the evening, what was I having? Yeah, things like the plant-based burgers, for instance, that would be another thing that I was having. You know, and on the face of it, somebody might go, that's actually quite healthy. This is where you get into the food politics and actually the bigger effect of ultra-processed food. Totally. Which are the industrial level of making food. Yeah. And also then you get into food labelling and how the wool is pulled over all our eyes all the time. And so it's very difficult for people who are trying to do the right thing to do the right thing. Absolutely. So obviously, if you go and buy, say, Pringles or chicken nuggets or something like or a pizza, again, it depends on the pizza, but let's just yeah. call those yeah. out as foods that might be of more obviously processed and people are like, well, I'm not buying that because I think it's healthy. I know that I'm buying that because I actually just yeah. want to eat it versus I'm going to buy this food because I think it's going to be better for me and it's going to be healthier. And I think that's where it gets like really confusing. The term plant-based makes people think it's healthy. Well, it's a bit like gluten-free as well, because I did pick up some things in that aisle of the supermarket as well, because probably like me you might see a lot of clients that are just like because they think it's healthy they're cutting out gluten for a lot of people it's not actually necessary it's like one percent of the population have celiac disease which is an autoimmune disease related to gluten there's a small percentage then that may possibly have gluten intolerance but that versus the amount of people that are self-diagnosing with it is is the disparity is enormous. And so they go and buy a lot of these products that are full of chemicals and other things and emulsifiers in particular because gluten is like, you know, it sounds like glue and that's because it is because it has that emulsifier, you know. Yeah. It's, so you need to put something in there to give that same feel or mouthfeel. And also even the dairy-free aisle. Again, people thinking, oh, these are really healthy products and they're not. Yeah. The other thing is that annoys me about processed food or the food industry in, in general is take the ham sandwich. If you weren't financially strapped, then you could have a really high quality bread. Then mm. you could have really good quality ham from a really good source. Then you mm. could, as you say, have a really nice mayonnaise that isn't too, you know, which is just oil and whatever else goes in mayonnaise, eggs. <laughs> you could have a, re- a much higher level of nutrition from a ham sandwich, but it's just financially not possible for lots of people and then there's this disparity between what you can afford and the quality of the food you get it is expensive to eat healthily although like even with small tweaks like you said like if you were to buy a rye bread and have just some butter on it and put some eggs on it yeah you could kind of even off the cost a little bit but it, I mean there's so many layers to it it's like so you know layers. there's a lot of barriers there you know, you're talking about financial barriers, educational barriers, and then a whole marketing pull that you need to actively push back against because a lot of these hyper palatable foods also come with a lot of attractive packaging yeah. or messages that are not necessarily transparent, you know, like we talked about. So I think it is it is really hard actually for people to navigate but then hopefully with more people talking about it I think at least some slice of education will help there you know yeah thank you for doing it and being a trooper because that was not an easy one to do yeah I've definitely got much more of an awareness around how prevalent they are I mean I kind of knew that before but they are I think it definitely has given a different perspective on all this stuff but I'm really looking forward now to just eating whole foods yes 
Well, that's all for this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you'd like to see the podcast, we are now on YouTube. So click on the link in the show notes and please subscribe as it really does help us. It's my turn next week. Well, all I'll say on that, Rose, is that it could be painful. Oh no, it's payback. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye, bye, bye.